Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital or you are looking to get your company acquired or just need some sound financial planning and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at PantheraAdvisors.com or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder. You know, today we're going to be talking about how to make money before you raise the money. Because obviously, you know, it seems that people in the Bay Area really think about more raising, raising it rather than making it first. And, and now investors are getting pickier as we go. So I think that really today's show is going to put a lot of perspective. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Yakir Gola. Welcome to the show. Alejandro, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm really excited about talking with you and sharing some lessons learned and you know our story here from GoPuff. So thank you for having me today. So born and raised in New Jersey, in Cherry Hill. So how was how was life growing up there? <laughs> now, Cherry Hill, I continue to, you know, have amazing memories of childhood and, you know, a big fan of New Jersey, the home state, you know, where I grew up. You know, it, it was great. You know, I, I went to uh, elementary school in, in Cherry Hill, middle school in Cherry Hill. You know, I, I did go to high school actually in uh, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. That's where I guess started building a relationship with, you know, the, with the state of Pennsylvania. And then I, uh, following that, you know, went to college at Drexel University and then stayed uh, in Philadelphia. And, you know, I was working with my dad in the family jewelry business ever since I could remember growing up. So for me, you know, the, one of the main reasons to stay in Philadelphia was so I can continue to build a family business uh, and grow that, the online aspect of it that I, you know, ended up uh, running and building throughout uh, high school and, and college. So, you know, stayed close to home, you know, was using my car, you know, going back and forth. Uh, from you know Cherry Hill to Philadelphia to classes and back, uh, but you know it, it was a wonderful experience to grow up in Cherry Hill. And and I guess uh, you know here's something that is really interesting is that you were always you know exposed to business before even going to school. So so what kind of takeaways did you really get from maybe like seeing your your family and and being involved with the family business? Yeah, no, I have a lot of admiration for my father. And, you know, for my family in general that came here from Israel, $20 in their pocket, you know, and, uh, you know, grew up in really, you know, really below the line poverty in, uh, in Israel and moved here, uh, you know, really with nothing. Right. And, you know, my dad got into the electronics business and then got into the jewelry business. 
and you know he he had uh, some cash for gold stores you know while while I was uh in college and you know and also in high school and I always worked with my dad and you know always I remember growing up you know every time he would come home I would ask him about you know what what was it like uh what was it like that day did he make money did he not make money was it busy was it not busy and then uh, ever since I was old enough, you know, I was behind the showcase with him, helping him, uh, whether it was, you know, with sales, you know, jewelry sales, or it was, you know, helping try to, you know, transition the business to online, you know, but it was just a few, a few jewelry shops, but I, I learned a lot and I gained a lot of my knowledge around entrepreneurship and what it takes and the discipline and, you know, the, the work ethic that's needed in order to be successful as an entrepreneur. So I think, you know, having my dad as the role model there and also other uncles, you know, starting their small business, you know, you really learn because being a small business owner, that's where you have to wear, you know, so many hats, you have to do everything and no one's going to do it for you. And you have to figure it out and you have to, you know, use your resources wisely and get creative. And I think that's uh, what taught me. And I know also the same thing from my co-founder, you know, Raphael, where, you know, his family moved here from Russia and, you know, he worked in, uh, in his dad's business and his grandpa's business, you know, in, uh, having restaurants, you know, in New York and started off as a busboy. So I think both of us really connected in college, given that, you know, uh, experience of, you know, getting raised in a house with uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs. And I think that it really taught us a lot. And I think that is really what, what enabled, you know, some of our uh, learnings early on, uh, to, to success. And talking about now success, I mean, it's been a, an incredible ride, obviously with GoPuff, but before we go into it, I mean, going to Drexel in Philadelphia was really the segue into getting into GoPuff. So, so tell us about, you know, the experience of going into Drexel and, and, you know, really getting together with Raphael. Yeah, no, I had a great experience at Drexel and I think, you know, the best part of it was that I met Raf and we started GoPuff together. I think for me, you know, one of the biggest, I feel like accomplishments that I had at, at Drexel and in college was you know, networking and the people that I met. And I think there's a lot you learn in college for sure, right? A lot you learn in the classroom, but, but there's also a lot I think you should be learning and utilizing outside the classroom. And I think, you know, that's when I, uh, yeah, I met Roth in uh, freshman year. It was business class. Uh, immediately, you know, connected. Given that we have extremely similar values, you know, grew up like I talked to you earlier. You know, with parents that are both entrepreneurs, uh, and you know, both of us had the same level of ambition. You know, for starting a business, uh, for also being an entrepreneur. Uh, but you know, I had a wonderful ride at, at Drexel. I met amazing people. You know, and and you know, really, what was a platform also to launch GoPuff, right? I think it's probably not a better time than being in college, in in my opinion, and and starting a business there. Given, you know, the the networking aspect, uh, the togetherness aspect, right? Uh, the relationship building, and maybe it's not as prevalent in COVID days today. Hopefully, you know, we'll be past that soon. Uh, but you know, I, I can really say that it was great to start a business. At Drexel, it was, it was a great experience, you know, at Drexel. And, you know, the best part was that me and Raf started GoPuff together uh, and, and thought of the idea uh, sophomore year. And ever since we, you know, thought of the idea, uh, we immediately went to work. 
uh, and that was our our honestly sole focus. And you know, it, it was um, failure wasn't an option, and that was the mentality from day one. You know, even when we were kind of passing the idea around and asking our friends, you know, a lot of people looked at us and thought we were crazy. Uh, thought it was a really bad idea. Most people thought it was a bad idea. Uh, I would tell you, and we really went with our instincts, and we uh, we believed in ourselves, and, and truthfully, we had each other that that were the, you know, the the optim optimism and the uh, the positive reinforcement that you know we can make this happen and we can persevere through, you know, all of the bad times, and that's what we did, you know. So it really was a great experience across the board. And how did you come up with the idea? How did you guys say really land this one and and really got that conviction? Like we really need to bring this to life. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly. So it was our buddy's birthday, uh, and you know I realized that I was the only one out of the friends group uh, with a car. You know, and I was driving, you know, to the local convenience store, uh, you know, picking up uh, snacks, picking up, you know, just you know, sea store based items and doing, you know, runs uh, throughout, you know, the entire week and, you know, previous weeks, because everyone would ask me for a favor, because I was the one in the city with the car. And, you know, it was just that that weekend where, you know, me and Ralph were in the car together, and said, you know, how is there not a company that will deliver, you know, to convenience based items. And, you know, we went on Google, we did some research. And little did we know, there was no company uh, that was solving this problem for for me and Raf first and foremost but you know to the general public it wasn't available and so the first part of the the idea was let's you know are we going to are we going to start a business that is going to make a meaningful impact in people's lives right are we going to change people's lives are we going to make it better right and change it in a in a better way and uh, in a positive way and and that was yes and then we we said you know is there a big enough total addressable market? Is there a big enough opportunity? And, you know, from an economic perspective, can the business make money? Can, can, can the business model be sound enough where the unit economics are, are very strong in order to start a business that makes money? And that's, that's how we thought of GoPuff, right? You know, th that was the idea behind it. And, you know, we, we were, when we were studying in the library at Drexel, you know, it was a week after we thought of the idea, it, you know, we, we started just sketching, you know, the app and, and, you know, we, we asked ourselves, is this, is this really what we want to do? This is going to take, you know, a huge commitment. It's, you know, like I said, failure is not an option. And me and Ralph are very, very persistent. That's one thing I would say probably to describe us is that when we put our eyes on something, we really, do everything uh, we can to make it happen, and 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 we said uh, we're going for it, right? And and that that was the uh, you know that was the the way that we thought of the idea, and that that's that, that was the start of of something that that we're able to bring to life in a meaningful way. So here you were saying we're gonna go for it. So so obviously you go for it, and 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 what are the next steps? What what happened after? We said we're going to go for it, contrary to, you know, everyone, our, our family members and friends telling us, hey, you guys should just start your business after college, after you graduate, or, or maybe think of a better idea. You know, that, that's, that's the feedback we got in. But we, we, we stuck to our, to our guns and to our instincts. And so we said we're going to go for it. So once we said we're going to go for it, 
we had to get money to start it and, you know, didn't have savings, right? You know, I paid myself through college, right? Uh, don't come from a background of of money. So, and the same thing for Raphael. So, you know, we had to come up with money to pay uh, the developers that we've that we met to build the app for us, and we had to, you know, get enough money to you know to use as a down payment for rent for our first warehouse in South Philly. Granted, it was only I think five hundred dollars a month at the time. It was still a lot of money for us and money that we didn't have. So we had to think of ways uh, to get money to to really start GoPuff. So, you know, there were things like, I could tell you one story in particular that, you know, comes to mind was when we, when we th- knew that we needed money, we started talking to our, you know, really close friends, our, our network and telling them about the idea, telling them that, you know, we're, we're really ambitious. We want to make this happen. So one of our really good friends, father, you know, knew a company that was moving uh, from the main line, which is the suburbs of Pennsylvania, into uh, Center City, big company. And they have a lot of uh, furniture that they're not using and that, you know, we could use for our new business. Uh, and it was really nice of them at the time. So, you know, we, we went there, we rented a U-Haul, we said, this is great, we're going to use, you know, the, these, op- these office furniture, these cubicles to launch GoPuff. And they were like, take whatever you guys want. We really don't need this. So there was two stories worth of cubicles. Uh, we ended up saying, you know, we're going to take all this stuff, put it in a storage facility. And over the course of almost four to five months, you know, we ended up selling that for, you know, over $40,000. And that was literally one at a time. It's, you know, eBay, Craigslist, and really, uh, you know, selling it one piece at a time so we can really get money to launch, you know, GoPuff and, and pay developers to to build uh, the initial platform. And so, you know, that was one example, you know, out of many where uh, we we got creative, we utilized our relationships and connections and friendships to, you know, to get money to to launch GoPuff. And, and you know, from, from day one, there was a huge focus on financial discipline and, you know, making the business cash flow positive and nailing the business model before, you know, we were able to scale it. And that's what allowed us to, you know, operate uh, as, as a profitable business, you know, for the first few years. And, you know, and, and I would also tell you is that, you know, we were the first delivery drivers, right? We were the first, you know, warehouse employees. We were the first customer service reps. We were the first uh, marketing managers. We were the first, you know, merchandisers. So we learned the business from the ground up. So we knew how to to really take over any single role or any position within the company. And I think, you know, that mixed in with the the financial discipline that we had from early on is what, you know, I think carried us even to this day of having the ethos of, you know, financial discipline built into every aspect of GoPuff's culture, you know, and, and of course we were able to bring on uh, investors and, and raise capital. And we're really fortunate to have such amazing investors that believe in our our long-term vision, but that came later, right? And what what came much later. And what the advice I would give, you know, entrepreneurs is focus on your customers and the money will follow. You know, and and I think that that's proven true uh, with many examples with us, but I can also point to many other, you know, entrepreneurs where that that worked where they really stayed laser focused on their customers. Uh, they focused on their customers and they got something off the ground. They didn't wait for 
you know, uh, something to be perfect before it was launched. And, you know, we're big believers that you know, done is better than perfect. That's also built into the, the culture and something that we, we live by and one of our principles too. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about how we got the business off the ground uh, in just a short summary. So, so in this case, um, just out of curiosity, Yakira, and then for the people that are listening, how old were you when you guys started the business? We started GoPuff seven years ago, about a little, almost eight years ago at this point. So, you know, we were 19 when we came up with the idea and then 20 when we actually launched it. Wow. Very impressive. So, Yakir, for the people that are listening to really understand, you know, how, how the business model works and, and how you guys make money, what can you tell us about this? So the way the business model works is GoPuff operates uh, hundreds of micro fulfillment centers across the U.S., right, where they're operated by, you know, GoPuff employees and employees within the micro fulfillment centers. So we buy inventory from manufacturers, from distributors, you know, across the world, uh, and we store all of the inventory in these micro fulfillment centers. We also have distribution centers uh, that serve as uh, main distribution centers that you know, get uh, product get shipped to our MFCs. And, you know, we make money off the product margins that we sell, right? So we make sure that we're, we're very uh, price conscious, right? And we, we focus on being very competitive from a price perspective. But, you know, we make the spread of what we buy it for from these manufacturers and, and, and distributors um, to what we sell on the platform. Uh, as the main source of of revenue and profit for GoPuff, and so when you think about that model, that inherent model of being vertically integrated, controlling the customer experience, right? You know, we're we're able to, you know, I guess it's essentially, you know, determine what we're selling, and and you know, if customers request products, whether it's local products or main, you know, CPG products, we're able to get it on our platform right away. So there's a lot of benefits uh, that are even beyond, you know, an economic, uh, economical perspective, you know, to being vertically integrated and, and controlling the customer experience. And the other benefit of that is, is controlling the customer experience and being able to deliver, you know, very quickly to consumers. And if we screw something up, that's on us, right? If if something, if a product was bad or if a delivery was late, that's within our control. And we we are a customer obsessed company. We continue to improve. It's one of our uh, big strategic objectives is continue to improve the customer experience and such. So that's something that we remain uh, very very focused on. And, and and the business model, you know, as I said, is is uh, is really strong from an economical perspective, given the the vertical integration. So you were you were alluding to this before. I mean, it took a few years for you guys to get external capital. So so obviously at this point you were profitable. I mean, why did you think that at that point it was a good idea to raise external money when you actually didn't need it? We saw how fast the industry was growing. Right? How fast sales of you know convenience items and 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 food items and grocery as a whole was transitioning to online right it, it, it's and it's still growing at at a warp speed right now so we naturally myself and and my co-founder are very ambitious 
Uh, we're very ambitious, you know, by nature. And so we, we, we knew that in order to really accelerate the business and continue to expand our footprint and appeal to more customers and make GoPuff everywhere, right? And take what we were doing in five, six markets in a really amazing way and appealing to, you know, tens of thousands of customers at the time. We wanted to to get to millions of customers and make sure GoPuff is available everywhere. And so we never went to raise money, but, you know, Anthos Capital was our first investor and they gave us a call and they told us, hey, we love what you guys are doing. You know, we, we were so fascinated in how you guys made make the unit economics work and you're able to deliver such an amazing customer experience and we want to learn more about it. And we built a great relationship with them. We really connected with them from a values perspective. And all their interns were using GoPub. That's how they heard about us. Because as I told you, we, we started off focusing on the college market. You know, we, uh, we were able to make a big name in the markets that we were in, whether it was Philadelphia or Boston. And their interns were all uh, using GoPub at the time. And they, they were telling them about it. So that, that's how the word of mouth you know, went viral earlier on, and then investors started pouring in. But we, we met this one group out of many, and they, they stood out to us uh, the most. And that, that's how they ended up investing. And what, what do you think that maybe made them different from the others that you were speaking with? I think their inherent focus on believing in founders, you know, they, they've invested in a lot of uh, founder-led companies before, and they've had a really good uh, reputation among other founders. You know, we uh, got you know a lot of references, and and you know they they just built an amazing relationship with with founders. And I think that's what uh, connected with uh, myself and and my co-founder on a personal level. And that's why we went with them. And that's something that stood out to us the most. So, so how much capital have you guys raised to date? We raised about. In total, about 1.4 billion of capital. Wow! I mean, that's a that's a lot of zeros, Yakir. <laughs> that's amazing. I always say that that raising money is a stepping stone, is not a milestone, because once you raise it, you need to deliver. You know, it's money in, then it's money out. How you right. get it out with returns? So absolutely. So so Yakir. So in this case, how was that journey for you guys? And and how would you say that 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 process of raising money has evolved over time, perhaps from the minute that you raised for the first time the external to all the way, you know, to till the last rounds that, that have been like in the hundreds of millions? Yeah, I think uh, I'll probably talk to a consistent theme, which is focus on your customers and continue to improve the customer experience and continue to get feedback from your customers to improve your product. And, and I think, you know, try to create a business model that doesn't rely on outside capital, right? When when you have a business, and I can speak to my experience where, you know, with or without venture capital, with or without investors, you know, our business model would uh, would work and would be very successful still, you know, and and maybe it would be a smaller degree and our market cap would be smaller. But, you know, I, I am a true believer of like, don't you know rely or or depend on on future capital and and build a business model that is very capital efficient and so that's something that you know we we learned and that 
um, continued to be true and we continue to give a lot of advice to entrepreneurs around that is, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are looking to raise money before they even have a dollar of revenue or before they even have a product out there. And, you know, I think, you know, trying to get something off the ground and, you know, it, it is really important, right? Done is better than perfect. Try it out, get feedback, talk to your customers and, and see, you know, what can, what can be improved and then prioritize the, the initiatives that are going to have the, the biggest, you know, ROI and the biggest improvement on the customers and also the biggest improvement on, on your bottom line. And so, you know, it's, it's been, you know, an amazing, amazing journey thus far. And as I told you, we're just getting started and we've been really fortunate to bring on amazing investors and amazing partners that believe in our long-term vision of being the go-to solution for immediate everyday needs across you know, not just the U.S., you know, but even globally and, and you know, and across the world is is something that, uh, it, you know, is important to us is that, you know, the, the investors that come on board are long term oriented that, you know, believe in putting the customer first. And we've been fortunate to bring on amazing partners from, you know, the Series A round to you know, our latest round that we just closed that was led by D1 Capital and Excel Partners. Uh, that you know, we also brought on uh, Luxure and uh, SoftBank, you know, as as amazing partners for us. So we're fortunate uh, to bring on such amazing partners, and they continue to believe in you know myself and and Raf and our entire team uh, to to really dominate and and to build a massive generational company. So really excited about it. And in terms of uh, you are alluding to the team, so so how big is the company today? I mean, anything that you can you know, share so that the people listening get an idea of the size, I mean, number of employees or anything else that you can share? So we're nearing uh, today, you know, given that we just closed a major acquisition, BevMo, which, you know, I'm not sure if, if, if you know about the business, but it's a really big deal out in the West Coast. You know, combined with uh, GoPuff, we're nearing 6,000 full-time employees. So wow. that's very exciting. Uh, all in, you know, and a mixture of that is, you know, home office employees based in, in Philadelphia and in San Francisco. And, and then a lot of that is our, you know, all of our general managers and our uh, employees, you know, operation associates and our micro fulfillment centers uh, across the U.S. That's pretty impressive, Yakir. Uh, so, so let's talk about now the the vision no? that you have for this, that you and Ralph have, have created, you know, obviously with with the team, I mean, if if you had you know the opportunity, let's say, to go to sleep tonight, Yakir, and and you would wake up, let's say, five years later, I mean, tremendous news. You wake up in a world where the vision of GoPuff is completely realized. What does that world look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, you know, our vision is to be the world's go-to solution for immediate everyday needs, and I think the way I would describe it to you is is that you know, there, there's three main areas of focus. Number one is geographic expansion, right? We want to make GoPuff everywhere, right? It, we're, we're only as good as if you're able to use the service and, and really try us and realize, you know, how, how much it could benefit your life and how much time it could save you and, and really save the day for you, uh, whether it's delivering, you know, uh, baby products at one in the morning, you know, diapers, uh, or medicine, you know, if you're sick and you don't want to leave the house, uh, or 
Ben and Jerry's, you know, or popcorn if you're watching a movie, right? So we want to make GoPub available everywhere first and foremost. Something that we continue to be really focused on. Um, you know, second is is continue to innovate uh, from a you know category expansion perspective, right? Like I told you, you know, when we started GoPub, we only had a hundred products. Today we have three thousand. So there's been a huge innovation in what we sell, and as a result, there's been a huge, you know, mix and, and transformation in our customer base where, you know, now less than 20% of our customers are college students where, you know, that's how we started GoPuff, right? So when you think about the, the actual product, you know, what we sell, there's going to continue to be an innovation there. And, you know, given that we're vertically integrated, as I talked to earlier and, you know, operate all these micro fulfillment centers that control the customer experience, you know, we're able to listen to our customers when they tweet at us or if they email us saying, Hey, they want this specific product, right? Uh, we do a lot of partnerships, uh, with local businesses, right. And, you know, being a part of the community and, and connecting, uh, with local businesses and empowering local businesses is really important to us. So, you know, that, that, yeah, that's kind of the second pillar of category expansion is continue to innovate, innovate there. And our business model and our technology allows us to, to do that in a, in a really meaningful way. So you're going to continue to see a huge innovation there. And then, you know, from the third is continuing to improve customer experience, right? And continue to get better every single day. Listen to our customer feedback. We have a metric we call unhappiness, right? We look at how many unhappy customers we have as opposed to, you know, tooting our own horn and saying how many happy customers we have. We, we look at the unhappy ones and say, how do we get better every single time, right? How do we make the experience every, every single time better than the one you had prior? So in, in five years, you know, it's really bringing all that to life in a really meaningful way. And I think, you know, being the, a pioneer in, in changing the way that, you know, people shop for, convenience and, and grocery online, right? But we're, as I talked to you about, we're just getting started. You know, you're less than 10% of of uh, sales of grocery and convenience are are done online today. It's growing at a very fast rate, but but it's still very small. And so, you know, I think about GoPuff, the opportunity that we have given our, our growth rate and our first mover advantage of this infrastructure we built of hundreds and hundreds of micro fulfillment centers, um, delivering to, you know, amazing customers and really building the scale and, and being the best at delivering instant needs. We just want to do that in a much more meaningful way and, and do our part in making people's lives better and having a positive impact in people's lives is something that we really want to be a part of. Uh, and, and I think if, if I wake up in five years and, and that happens in more, in more of a grand way than it is today, uh, I'll be very happy. And I know our shareholders will also be very happy. And would you say that perhaps COVID has helped a little bit to getting you closer to those five years in an accelerated way? There's no doubt about it, Alejandro. There's no doubt about it. I think, you know, COVID has had a, a really you know, big impact in all of e-commerce sales and all of online sales, where I think what it done is it, it just accelerated the time frame, right? I mean, the, the transition to e-commerce and online was already happening, was already growing. This just, you know, removed uh, some time and, and it just accelerated uh, time frame essentially, you know, to get people more used to buying 
uh, things through applications, through you know websites, and and getting things delivered. It's just you know accelerated the the habits for for consumers. So I think of course we're at the forefront of that, and given our delivery is happening within twenty to thirty minutes. And we have, you know, so many different categories of products, as I mentioned, and we operate really big in this category of instant needs. Uh, we're fortunate to to be able to deliver uh, to customers during this unfortunate time of of COVID. Um, but I I do feel great about you know how we were able to be there for our customers and to many people throughout the U.S. that were in need. Uh, in the time where it is risky to to go into stores, right? And and so we were able to have a meaningful impact in people's lives throughout COVID, and and we're we're happy we we had that opportunity to to do that and be there for our customers. And and uh, one of the questions that I typically ask the the guests that come on the show is, I mean, if you had the opportunity, Yakir, to to go back in time. And maybe we're going back to that junior year in Drexel, where you were even thinking about maybe with Raphael of of launching a business. Uh, and you know, we're here going into the the time machine and we're translating ourselves back to, to 2013. What would be, obviously now, I mean, you've been through the ups and downs, you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly of building and scaling a business, going through numerous rounds of financing, tremendous growth, I mean, incredible journey. If you had the opportunity of going back in time and having a, having a chat with your younger self, with that younger Yakir, what, what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to, your, to yourself before launching a company and why knowing what you know now? Yeah, it's an excellent question. You know, I, I think there's one thing in particular I'll, I'll turn to, and it was a big you know, lesson learned for us is that you know, done is better than perfect, right? And so that's something that we've, you know, in, in a really meaningful way, have become part of the culture. And, you know, as we think about, you know, launching, whether it's new products, new categories or new verticals is, you know, let's get learnings, let's get something off the ground quickly so we can iterate and get feedback from customers and let's not wait for something to be perfect and stuff. So as I think about, you know, early on and looking, you know, hey, what could we have done better is like integrating and using that philosophy earlier on. And I would give that advice to all entrepreneurs where I would tell them that, you know, just get your business off the ground, right? You know, don't wait uh, for months and months and years and years to have something perfect, right? And to do, you know, all of these case studies and, and research and refine, you know, the product, you know, 200 times, right? Get something off the ground, then ask your customers and get feedback. So like a good example of what we did there, you know, is when, when we were the first delivery drivers, we would, me and Ralph would do the delivery ourselves. One, because we had to, and we couldn't afford to, to you know, hire anyone. But, but I think also what, what that taught us is like, let's ask, we asked the customers, Hey, what else would you want to see on GoPuff? What are we missing? How, you know, what products would you like to see on there? What other, you know, product feature would you like? And we would really take notes and, and that would be our North Star of listening to the customer. So I think, you know, just getting something off the ground. Today, GoPuff has transformed, you know, into a, a massive, you know, business where the the customer base has changed, the product mix has changed, right? The the core competencies are changed. Um, and and we're proud of, of our origin and how we started off, you know, as, as focusing on the college demographic. But we, we've obviously come a long way. But, you know, if, if you were to sort of transfer that 
that knowledge and experience to other businesses, like you don't know where you're going to end up, right? Even if you look at, you know, Facebook, uh, where, you know, the acquisitions that they made, uh, I think, you know, and, and also just their innovation on their product, um, you know, and give you countless other, you know, companies, Google and, 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 and Amazon included, you know, they, they, they believed in that same concept of, of, you know, done is better than perfect. And they get something off the ground, continue to innovate, continue to listen to your customers and make improvements based on that. That's what I would say is that, you know, don't wait for something um, to be, to be perfect and get something off the ground. And this industry is moving so fast where, you know, <laughs> you just blink and, you know, another day went by, another year went by. So you have to be able to move uh, at the p- at the pace of, of, of how fast things are moving in, in the world and in technology and, and in life. So th- that's the advice I would give to, you know, to myself looking back and then to other entrepreneurs looking to, to start a business and really making a mark for themselves. Amazing. Well, Yakira, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. Thank you so much, Alejandro. It was amazing to talk with you today and really appreciate you hosting me today. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.